Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about St. Joseph and spiritual warfare. Yeah, today we're joined by Father Donald Calloway to talk about the year of St. Joseph and how St. Joseph should be important to your life. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for Pray us. For Pray us. for us. All right, good to be back with you guys here, Father Calloway. I'm really excited about this conversation we're going to have. I've already gone through the consecration once, and I'm really glad to be able to share St. Joseph with everybody and the power of his intercession and just the beauty of the life that he lived uh, as the foster father of Christ. We've been talking about this for a long time, and it's a long time coming, so we are so grateful that you're on the show. This year of St. Joseph, everything that you have really revealed in your own prayer life, Father Calloway, and, and how St. Joseph has really dominated your ministry in such a beautiful way. It's been so inspiring. We're so blessed to have you on the show to hear about some of those fruits. Well, thanks, brothers. Yeah, no, I'm pumped to be with you guys. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm working a lot these days. I, I, I've been telling people on December 9th, when the year of St. Joseph is over, I'm taking a vacation because like, <laughs> my phone is like a slot machine these days. It just doesn't stop ringing, but it's awesome, guys. I'm, lo I'm loving doing it and making people more aware of St. Joseph, and it's awesome. It's awesome. That's great. So, Father Calloway, you had a pretty important role, and you had some influence in this year of St. Joseph being decreed and declared by uh, the Holy Father. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what happened there, and really what is the year of St. Joseph? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, um, I don't know exactly what my role was. I, I, I know that I, I wrote a letter to the Pope in 2019 asking him to declare a year of St. Joseph because I did a lot of research for my book, and I realized there's never been a year of St. Joseph before. And one of these special years, it's basically, you know, emphasizing some highlighting a teaching for a particular need that we have. So we've had years of prayer, right? Years of, of, of faith, year of Marian years, year of mercy. Fantastic. But we never had a year of St. Joseph. So I wrote the Pope, and we have pictures of him receiving the letter from the bishop who hand-delivered it to him, but I didn't hear anything back. So I started asking individual bishops. And then, as you know, on December 8th, 2020, you know, the whole world woke up, and it was like, wait a minute, the Pope just declared a year of St. Joseph. And I'm like, holy moly. I'm like, maybe my letter did have something to do with this. But, you know, it's obviously the Holy Spirit behind this, and I'm so grateful for this because now— um, I don't have to write every bishop. The Pope just did it for the whole church. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Holy Father. <laughs> so this year of St. Joseph, this marks the 150th anniversary of the, de of the declaration of St. Joseph as the universal patron of the church. And I think it's a really important time to remember what that means and, and really meditate on what that means being the universal protector of the church. Uh, we know that St. Joseph was the protector of the Holy Family, of Our Lady and Our Lord. And that's in just as, as, a, as a man and as a, as a person, what an incredible honor, but what an incredible responsibility. Mm. And now in his heavenly intercession, he has taken that role and it applies to all people throughout the church, throughout the world. And, you know, the broad shoulders of St. Joseph were definitely created 
to carry that load. So it's it's a it's a really great opportunity for you to listen to the act, you know, to learn about what St. Joseph did in his silence, in his masculinity, in his humbleness, and in his service. Totally. No, and I I think there's never been a time when we've needed him more. And I think that the key word, you know, of this this year and of this time with St. Joseph is his patronage, because being made the universal patron of the church, the root word for patron is pater, which means fatherhood. Um, Other saints are patrons of various things, women as well, of course, but in that sense, it means parental. But the root of it is pater, meaning fatherhood. And that is a key element of a crisis that we're having today in the world is a certain patricide that's been happening, a killing of the fathers, or maybe not literally killing, but casting them aside. Um, Like, for example, just the other day, somebody made me aware that there's a magazine called Parents Magazine. For all of last year on the cover, no men appeared. It was just women with their daughters and sons. What was missing? The father. And you see this globally. I mean, in sitcoms, fathers are presented as buffoons, idiots, just eating potatoes on a, on a, you know, on a couch. Their own children make fun of them. So we've got a crisis of fatherhood these days. So the Holy Spirit is saying, well, I got the answer. I'm going to bring in St. Joseph like never before so that you can learn about him, find comfort in his fatherhood and imitate that real fatherhood, sacrificial manhood. That's what we're talking about. And I'm seeing a lot of groundwork being done right now on a local level, just being a a pastor at a parish and seeing so many men respond to your ministry, picking up the consecration book and really developing a spirituality based on their own fatherhood and God meeting them in the particular unique ways of their own living out as dads. But St. Joseph being this kind of prism, this this beautiful, you know, uh, almost patron of fatherhood. And, and they've really developed a beautiful connection to him. And I know just from personal relationships with both Ryan Scheel and Ryan Delacrosse, the devotion that you guys have to St. Joseph in your own fatherhood. Father Calloway and I are celibate, celibate men with great responsibility of the children that we serve. And, you know, to see that alive in your own patrimony as, as you raise your children is an inspiration for me. And, you know, for, for my own priesthood, I started, you know, my, my first pastorate on the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, and I have dedicated my priestly service to his patronage ever since. And he's really shown his hand such a remarkable way, uh, so much so that I'm going to be opening up a capital campaign in his name on my second anniversary uh, to start the process of fundraising for our new church that we're going to build with kneelers, I might add, for all those people who watch my transmissions at my church and say, Father Pagano doesn't have kneelers. Well, I want kneelers, so help me raise the funds for it on St. Joseph's Feast Day. But <clears throat> I love I love the fact of, of really this this mission and this ministry that, that you've put together. Um, what is your own experience, Father Calloway, of St. Joseph? And how is it, how did it even come about? Like, were you kind of spiritually integrated this in your life? Well, when I had my conversion to Catholicism, uh, you know, I, I needed a lot of help and healing because I messed up my life. And, and I'm a guy, so I messed up my manhood. I really jacked it up, you know, with a lot of immoral living and, and bad things. So I needed a model. Um, I needed something I could look to to champion manhood for me, what it really means to be a man. So these little Filipino women that helped me convert, they they showed me St. Joseph and, you know, they got me praying novenas to him and everything. And 
And that helped me tremendously. And all throughout seminary, it helped me. And now as a priest, 18 years, I, I mean, I, I need St. Joseph to, to, to be there for me. And what I got from that, you know, in the time of this issue with struggles with marriage, I mean, more than 52% of all marriages today end in divorce. One fourth, 25% of all children today in the Western hemisphere are not raised with a father, right? So I'm hearing this as a priest and I'm thinking, you know what, what was done for me and helped me uh, in, in, in growth and healing St. Joseph, I think the whole world needs right now. So let's do this. Let's, let's bring attention. Let's highlight him. And I think the Holy Spirit is completely pushing this emphasis on St. Joseph because now, as you said, we got the Pope saying, okay, we got a year of St. Joseph. Let's everybody go to Joseph right now. <laughs> you know, during this year of St. Joseph, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, and I'll put a link to this, there is a lot of indulgences tied to this year in uh, devotions to St. Joseph. Um, so I'll put that link there in the show notes. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be in the description. If you're watching this on our website, it'll be right below. Um, but that gets to the spiritual warfare aspect, the spiritual protection that St. Joseph can provide to us. And Father Calloway, like you said, the Holy Spirit is really putting St. Joseph at the front line. I mean, he's the Holy Spirit is bringing out the big guns because that is the antidote for what, what, what ails our culture right now is a lack of fatherhood. Even if fathers are around, they're not really. If fathers, and then there's so many fathers who aren't around physically or spiritually or emotionally. And the reclamation of fatherhood in the West is I can't overstate how important it is to prevent the complete decline of our society. So what are some spiritual ways that St. Joseph can protect us and how can we get into the spiritual warfare aspect of it where St. Joseph protects us as men, women, as mothers and children? Yeah. Well, you know, if you know, we look at his example in his fatherhood and his manhood, I mean, he lives it out so faithfully and yet, if you look at the household of Nazareth, right, you've got Jesus, who's God, Mary, who's not God, but she's a perfect creature, the Immaculata. But whose role was it in that family unit to lead the prayers? It wasn't the role of Jesus. It wasn't the role of Mary. It was Joseph's role. And that is huge. Because could Jesus and Mary have done it better than Joseph? Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> of course. But they delighted in his fatherhood, she delighted in, in, in his being her husband and, and leading the family in the observance of the practices of their religion, Judaism, right? Well, families today have to realize the importance of fatherhood in the family in leading the family in you know, the practices of the faith. You know, uh, studies have actually shown that if it's only the, the mother who leads the family in the prayers and going to mass and things, which is great, right, of course, and many women sometimes have to do that by themselves, but it, it doesn't have as much stick or staying power as when the father does it. There's something special about that role. And so I think if we recapture these things, as you said, we can re-elevate society, the family. Um, and this is only going to bring about good for parishes, dioceses, for seminaries. For I mean, it's going to, the fruit is going to be off the charts globally if we, if we be like St. Joseph. Mm. Yeah, one of the things about when I did the consecration a few months back, gosh, it's COVID, so it could have been a year ago, <laughs> um, is just the strength of St. Joseph. Like as an intercessory, you know, as somebody who's navigating all the saints and the beautiful traditions that we have and finding intercessors and having connections with them, 
just never really being involved with St. Joseph, I think a lot of that comes from a lot of the things that you're bringing forth is like, let us consider him as a man. Like, let us consider his life. Let us consider the way that he lived. Let us consider the way that things were, you know, dealt to him too as well. You know, we all talk about St. Joseph, Teradim as well. St. Joseph was also thrown into the mix of some serious stuff, right? Like he was not like, yeah, let's go. Um, let's, you know, he's just like, Hey, I don't know what, okay. All right, here we go. Let's go. You know? And so like just meeting him personally through the consecration and a lot of the miracles and everything for me was amazing. Um, because I, I don't think a lot of our churches brought that forth, like this manliness that you're talking about. It's great. Like, yes, we need more manliness, but meeting St. Joseph is a, a, a very critical step in finding that for a lot of people, even if you already are manly, you know, it's yeah. a critical step in finding that. Yeah. And that's a key point you're making is finding holiness in that strength, because a lot of men have used their strength to harm people, whether emotionally, physically, or worse. But in St. Joseph, you see the perfect use of that strength. That man can swing an axe. He can shave wood. He can carry stones, right? Um, and yet he's gentle. He's so you know tender. He's so loving. And um, an amazing thing about him that men need today is his purity. No matter what your vocation is, right? Father and I, you know, we don't we don't have a wife, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to have a chaste heart, right? We're still guys, right? We've got to discipline our eyes and our intention. And men that I meet today, they think, well, I'm married. I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, no, brother, you have to be dignified. You know, being married doesn't give you a right to live like a filthy animal within your marriage. You have to treat your wife's body with respect, right? You too are called to chastity. When they hear that, they're like, wait a minute. No, I'm not. I'm like, oh, yes, you are, right? You're, you're not called to celibacy, but you're called to have that chaste heart. And that's important. Why? Because we live in a pornographic, filthy era, and it's in your face almost every day in some form. And we've got to discipline ourselves as men, because if we don't have purity, we are spiritually impotent. We have no power, right? This is why St. Joseph is the terror of demons, because he's pure, right? Jesus himself says, it is the pure of heart who will see God. If you're not pure, you ain't even seeing right. You're blind, and the mm -hmm. devil ain't worried about you. But if we get more men to be terrors of demons, pure according to their vocation, all with the chaste heart, boom, I mean, we're talking major, major power on this battlefield. And I think that that's what God is desiring right now, is more men to be like St. Joseph as the terror of demons. What a beautiful connection. I mean, I don't want to miss this opportunity to just kind of delve into what you just said. But blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Yep. And then connecting that to the chastity of St. Joseph and to realize that the manifestation of the incarnation and the entrustment of the son of God to the human family is entrusted to the purity of the fatherhood of St. Joseph. Yeah. Like what a beautiful connection that I've really never meditated on. Always in my rosary, I always say St. Joseph, chase spouse of Mary, pray for, pray for me, pray for us. Mm -hmm. um, but to connect that to the beatitude that Joseph was the privileged one to see Jesus manifest in his birth and for his eyes to see Jesus even before the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yeah. Like th that is just a beautiful thing that I've never really thought of. That, that is just very powerful.
It is. And something that I was told that's not in the book, I might have to put it in a future edition. I've been told by pretty much every culture that I've talked to that children or babies, when they say their first words, they don't say mama, they say dada universally, no matter what the language or culture is, because it's easier, whatever the language is to say dada or abba or papa, you know, than it is to say mama. So the first words most likely out of the mouth of Jesus Christ were dada mm. directed to Joseph. And Mary wasn't mad like, huh, you know, <laughs> she was delighted in that as any good mother would. So, ah, oh, the, the depths here, brothers, that we can unpack is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. even writing writing the icon of the Blessed Virgin Mary and her humility of femininity in the direction of of the fatherhood of Joseph or his masculinity, you know, to to see that she would marvel at something like that, and I think that 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 ought to be the example of femininity. Once again, I think Our Lady has never left that state of prominence in femininity and we all look up to her i know i wouldn't be anywhere where i am right now without her and i know your story father calloway too and, and your love for our lady but you know how unique to look at uh, the the integral relationship between husband and wife and how if we employ that in our marriages where the femininity of a wife could look to the masculinity of her husband in that same humble manner and to, to almost give life to the sense of the fatherhood or the masculinity of their husband. Like it, it's just such a beautiful harmony there. Yeah, but when you talk about, <clears throat> he talks about a lot of the messages and everything, and we've all seen it, but there's still another message about the, the woman and the relationship and the man. You know, you have all these bad forms of marriage and it's like, you know, or, or just cheating and it's all out there in the open for mm -hmm. everybody yeah. like how do how do people navigate through that to find the purity of what it, it is to be man and woman right yeah. i mean that's a very important distinguish you know thing to distinguish here because you you want to see the purity mm -hmm. yeah and you want to see the complementarity because today people have made it a competition Yes, You know, that I have to prove myself by being better than you mm. and being better than you means basically I have to cancel you. You're mm. out of here. You know, mm -hmm. no, that's, that's a compliment. It's the dance, right? It's you, you have to have two to tango, right? That's how the expression goes. Well, it's true. And I, you know, I, I've thought about this. This isn't in the book either. Um, that, um, you know, Mary so loves her husband and delights in him because she found her feminine security because all women crave that. In her husband, yes. right? She rested in his strength and in his love and in his tenderness and in his affection. Sure, they didn't engage in marital relations, but that doesn't mean that they weren't tender and affectionate to one another. They really loved each other. They weren't robots, right? Well, an amazing thing is how did Joseph get in the New Testament at all? It's not like Matthew or Luke knew him. They didn't. I bet you it was Mary who actually, mm -hmm. the, one of the reasons she stuck around was because she had to tell the early church what went down when, you know, in the hidden years. Probably she said to Luke and Matthew one day, hey, Matthew, let me tell you about the time we lost him in the temple. Oh, oh, let me tell you about this. <laughs> Joseph was so worried, right? How, Mary was championing her husband. That's how yes. he got in there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Matthew and Luke didn't know Joseph, but Mary mm -hmm. sure did, right? Think about that. <laughs> That's amazing. It is. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you said, I think, is also a really important thing to unpack a little bit is that the tempering of masculine strength, you know, our culture, 
treats men more or less in two ways. Either fathers are Homer Simpson and they're buffoons, or men think that they have to, you know, just be absolute machismo. Like, oh, I, I eat steak and drink whiskey and I'm just super manly at all times, right? But there's more to that than masculinity and manliness. Manliness is a lot about having the strength to be vulnerable, tender, caring, protecting, sacrificial. It's not always about going out and getting the biggest piece of steak. Sometimes it's about giving that to others. I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions on what makes men manly. And I think St. Joseph is a perfect example of that. Quiet, humble, obedient, um, gentle, you know, protector. And that's some, that's the other side of masculinity that a lot of modern men are afraid to admit or don't understand. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you, you're saying things that are so crucial because the correct understanding of manhood, if you even look at the words, I mean, is veer, right? Veer in Latin means man. Well, that's also the root word of virtue. So virtue is always in the middle. You've got to avoid being an ogre and a caveman on one hand, right? Woman, make me breakfast, right? That understanding of manhood. Or the guy who's just over here crying in touch with his feelings and he's just, you know, at odd. You know, it's like, because the society wants to put it in those categories. God's category for manhood is the man who is virtuous, who is tender. Okay, so you've got this side. He's so loving, you know, affectionate and all of those things. And yet you've got the guy who is strong and a terror of demons and a pillar of families and the glory of domestic life. If you can get the combination of those things, you're talking about saintly manhood. And that's what we need today. And that's what we see in St. Joseph, virtuous manhood. Now that's the that's we've brought that term up a few times, the, the terror of demons, and that really gets into a very unseen spiritual aspect of, of how Saint Joseph actually is what demons fear in his humility and in his in his obedience. Um, could you tell us a little bit more how that works into a spiritual warfare aspect? That kind of devotion to Saint Joseph as terror of demons. Yeah, I think it's because, um, I mean, he does have something unique that we will never have in the sense of he has the ability to intercede paternally, right? Um, we cannot call Jesus our, our God and our son. He's not our son, right? But he is the son of Mary and Joseph. So when they intercede, it, it has a certain oomph to it spiritually, right? Um, and so when Jesus hears it, he hears it from his son's ears, the ears of a son, and he responds. But if we are like Joseph, our ability to intercede um, should put the demons to flight because they know that our intimacy with Christ is going to have power because the Lord loves us. He hears us and he wants to do things to please us and help us. And so that getting closer to Jesus makes us more in that vein of being a powerful intercessor. And that makes us a terror of demons, right? That's why like we're never a woman or even us men, we're never going to be the mother of God. But we're, we're never going to be the Theotokos, but we can be Theotokoi, little God bearers, right? That's what we're called to be, really. And the devil hates that. Well, we can also be terrors of demons in our intercession, in our closeness to Christ. And then again, in those virtues of St. Joseph, in our humility, in our purity. I mean, a lot of people look at St. Joseph holding that lily and they think, oh, too bad. You know, it's like a, the cane of an old man because he looks about like he's about ready to die in a lot of the paintings. That's not the cane of an old man. That's the staff 
That's the lance of a spiritual warrior. He is the father of Marian devotion. He is the first knight of the Immaculata. He is the one who slays dragons, seven-headed dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's got the virtues. Yeah, oh yeah. And when you think of entrustment of, of Jesus to the fatherhood of Joseph, you, you see that flight into Egypt in a whole new way. You see the return to Nazareth, which was a rough town, you know, in a whole new way. What good can come from Nazareth? I mean, the fact that Joseph was able to protect his family in in such a period of time of great turmoil gives us the sense of his fatherhood in our own turmoil today. You know, right now the church seems like it's in flight. It's in, it's in this movement. It's in this motion. Who are we now in our practices during COVID? You know, who, who has the power to tell anybody that they can't worship God in, in, a, in a setting of a church? So, you know, like we are in this, in this sense of flight, and it is comforting that St. Joseph is with the church today. And something that I, w- I couldn't help but think about as you were talking about, my brother, is um, when we baptize children. Father Calloway. And at the end of that baptism, when we extend our hands over the mother and father, and and there is a a special blessing over the mother and the father. And, And it's really powerful to think that God's blessing over Joseph in that manner, entrusting his only begotten son to him, what an anointing and what a power. And when you think of the demonic attack on the son of God from his very birth, what, what motivated the flight to Egypt in the first place, the, the, the attack on Jesus, you know, that, that was protected by Joseph and how we can kind of pair that in our own sense of spiritual protection, uh, in our relationship with Joseph as well. Totally. And here's something fascinating that I learned when I was doing the research for the book, that there's a particular title that saints and popes have given to St. Joseph that not even Our Lady has. Now, we know that Our Lady is greater than St. Joseph, right? Yes, she's the one who crushes demons with her dainty little feminine foot, right? It's in the good book. You know, it's a bookends of history from Genesis to Revelation, you know, the woman crushing this filthy thing. But St. Joseph is called the Savior of the Savior, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he's not the Messiah. He's not God. So small s, he'd be the first yeah. to tell you that. Yeah. But he saved Jesus from a madman who wanted to kill babies. And think about the the relevance of that today, when we've got so many people who seem to be so anti-life and are Mm -hmm. going after children in the womb um, and rejoicing in this, you know, I mean, what madness is this? So we need to bring St. Joseph onto this battlefield as well. He's the most pro-life saint outside of Our Lady that there is. Mm -hmm. So again, big guns on the battlefield. Let's bring him in, (laughs) you know, because he's he's the the hidden kind of um, weapon that now we need to throw the tarp off of it and and pull it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, yeah. you, you brought up something there and you, you started talking about how, you know, he is pro-life and what are some ways that women can relate to St. Joseph and seek his intercession? Because we've spent a lot of time talking about how men can look at his, vir- his manu virtues, but there's a lot for women in St. Joseph just as much for men. What are some of those ways that women can look to St. Joseph? Yeah, I think, you know, in, in my priestly ministry, I'm sure Father would agree, is, you know, a lot of it does tend to be with women, right? And they tend to be very wounded oftentimes from some male figure in their life, whether it was their own father or somebody, you know, who took advantage of them in some way, um, not necessarily in sexual ways, sometimes, unfortunately, but emotionally. And there wasn't that affirmation that they a girl's heart needs. Um, I, I've met even married women, married for decades, who still 
are suffering from those insecurities in, in those really important developmental years, I think that giving them this knowledge that they've got this most loving of fathers, this gentleman, he's a gentleman who is a guardian of virgins. He's a protector of your purity, um, that he's with you. He loves you. He affirms you. He delights in you. Um, when women, no matter what their age, discover this mystery of St. Joseph, they find a certain rest. They're at peace. Um, I've even heard women, two women, who have done the consecration and said to me, Father, I suffered from terrible insomnia because I've always just been so anxious and so worried about life because of my, my upbringing. I was so wounded by my father. After doing the consecration, they said they've been sleeping like a baby. It's amazing. Awesome. I'm, I'm reminded of the ministry of the Sisters of St. Joseph in Florida and, and even into Georgia. Um, you know, some of the most heroic women in the history of the church uh, brought here to the shores of Florida by Archbishop Varro, the first bishop of St. Augustine, first parish in the United States of America. They brought in the sisters to to teach uh, the Africans and the natives as well, which was not a popular thing to do in the South. Um, there was a lot of aggression toward them. And, you know, even when the breakout of the yellow fever took place, they were breaking boundaries and going into quarantined areas and, you know, feeding the poor, feeding the sick. And, um, you know, they were all doing that in the name of St. Joseph and just the courage that they drew from intercession to him and the, the, the feeling of protection that they had uh, from him. You know, their order is still alive and well in the, the ancient city of St. Augustine in the United States of America. So if there are any women out there that are discerning religious life, check out the Sisters of St. Joseph. You know, they're they in need of vocations. You know, they're a perfect order out there that, you know, they're getting older and they, they need young women to really, uh, you know, pick up that banner and champion that that uh, that relationship with St. Joseph so that their purity, their chastity, their virginity is protected by by Joseph. And I, I love that connection that you just made, my brother. And, and it's so true. And we need a revival in, in religious life. We need a, a revival among women religious. So check those out and, and please pray for the sisters of St. Joseph. Well, they've been a huge inspiration in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, real quick. Oh, sorry, Ryan. Go ahead, please. No, I was just like, also like to say like, uh, spiritually for me, like I, I had a conversion on March 19th, 2002. And later was made aware through the Holy Spirit, obviously that Joseph was a part of that. Right. Um, and, but, but one of the things that Joseph has been to me through the struggles, I lived a, a life very much like yours. We probably went to some of the same concerts, but, um, one of the things that I realized over time is that he's always been there for me. Like spiritually, he's always been there for me. What, what the consecration did was reconnect me to all of this stuff and also realize that I, I don't just need him now. I need him always. Like I need St. Joseph in my life a lot. Like, you know, obviously scripture is a lot bigger. Sacraments are a lot bigger, but as I look at my my yearly uh, economy of my spiritual life, like St. Joseph has to be, and Mary has to be like, you know, right in there, you know, consecrations, things like that, because it, it allows your mind to focus in on something in it. And in every situation you find that he's there, he's present, he's working, you know, every single, you know, it's not just a one-time thing, you know? That's awesome. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about consecrations here, but before we do, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Hollow. 
Hollow is the number one Catholic prayer app. Uh, you can get it for free if you go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow. Uh, there'll be a link here, and then I think I can get a link to show up above Father Rich's head there. But um, right now during Lent, they have a Pray 40 uh, program on there. They have a lot of great apps. They have Chant. They have a lot of, they have a Lectio Divina. They have um, Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year. They have so many different prayer things. So, you know, if you are a father, and a lot of times as a father, as me and Della Cross know, you know, it's hard to get some time to yourself to to focus in prayer. And this app is really a great way to do that. Now, I, Brian, I know that you and your kids, when you're driving to school or My place My wife place, started using it with I'd me. see. Because <laughs> she didn't like the guy voice. They did a girl voice now. <laughs> and she wants the girl voice. And so See, that's where it starts, Della Cross, the tearing down of masculinity. Look at that, man. <laughs> I, I told you. I, got, I told you. I got to give it to Hallow, man. When they put that in, I'm like, honey, there's a girl's voice. Let's try this one. <laughs> that's great, man. Yeah, Hollow, that's Hollow's great. great. Um, yeah, check out their Pray 40 right now. Uh, really great app. Yeah. Again, go to catholictalkshow.com, Hollow, to get the app free for 30 days. Um, you're, you really won't regret it. And it really will help you in your prayer life, especially right now during Lent. And then, uh, Father Calloway, I do want to mention that you are going to be at a, um, you're going to be giving an online conference on, um, March 19th for the national shrine of St. Joseph up in Wisconsin. And, um, why don't you tell everyone about that? Um, if you're interested, I'll put a link to that as well. It's the year of St. Joseph.org. Um, and you can sign up, and that conference is helping to raise awareness about St. Joseph and then also to um, repair and restore the statue of St. Joseph that was crowned a long time ago. Yeah, I'm excited about this because um, a lot of people don't even know that we have a national shrine to St. Joseph in the United States. They, they know the, the more famous one in Montreal, Canada, right, which is right. huge and awesome. But we have a national shrine here. It's in De Pere, Wisconsin, just outside of Green Bay. Um, it's not really so much an edifice because there really isn't an edifice. It's the statue that's really the national shrine. And that statue was um, papally approved by Pope Leo XIII 100 years ago to be crowned. So you know how we have May crownings of Our Lady and things, beautiful, right? Well, you can also crown statues of St. Joseph. So this is one of those. And there's, there's only a handful of them around the world. And it's a beautiful statue. So like you said, um, we're going to refurbish the crowns for St. Joseph and the child Jesus in his arms. And we're going to have a special conference. The, the bishop is going to be celebrating the mass. I think EWTN is going to televise it. The bishop has asked me to give the homily. So I'm like, oh, no pressure. Right. So I'll, 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 I'll have to make a few holy hours in preparation for that one. Um, but I love that we're doing this because this is a time when many people in this cancel culture are tearing down statues. Right. We hear about this. Well, we're not going to we're going to do the opposite. We're going to renew a statue. We're going to rebeautify it. Uh, in this time of patricide, we're going to crown our father again, right? St. Joseph, our spiritual father. So I think it's going to be awesome, man. Yeah, go to the, the website, the, the year of Joseph.org, I think it is. Yeah, It is, yeah. And there's some great speakers. There's yourself. There's the uh, Archbishop. There's Father Ripperger. There's a lot of great things. I'll make sure you put it. Uh, you can sign up below. Uh, you can get access to it. I think the parts of it are free. And then uh, the parts that are paid that, you know, more content helps to restore the statue. There's also a link on the page and the link that we'll send that you can help donate additionally to help the restoration of this crowned statue of the National Shrine of St. Joseph. So I wanted to make sure everyone knows about that because that's going to be a great conference. I'm, I'm taking part of that as well. So I encourage you all to check that out. 
Now, before we go, um, could you tell us a little bit about your book and about the consecration to St. Joseph? I mean, since we've started this podcast, Ryan Delacrosse has been asking to get you on because that that book really, you know, really moved him. And uh, you made the comment in one of our YouTube comments uh, a couple weeks ago about Father Rich wanting to write a letter. And uh, so it's really providential that it happened this year, not in the years past when we've been wanting to get you on, but it happened now in the year of St. Joseph. So please tell us about a consecration to St. Joseph and how our listeners and viewers can do that as well. Yeah, so it's basically the Joseph parallel to St. Louis de Montfort's uh, Marian consecration. So centuries ago, he came up with this 33-day method of getting to know Mary and to entrust yourself, to consecrate yourself to her so that you can ultimately get closer to Jesus. Because all of this is all about Jesus, right? It's just Mary and Joseph will help us to get super close to him. So in this time of crisis of families and marriages and all that, why not bring in the father, right? Bring in St. Joseph, close the gap of this family. Um, And so that's what I sought to do is to model it after that. So it's 33 days. And every day we go through the litany of St. Joseph, a beautiful prayer, you know, with the official titles of St. Joseph, unpacking those and then giving stories about apparitions he's appeared in because there have been some and most people aren't aware of this and approved stuff, not anything weird, right? Um, Shrines dedicated to him, religious communities like the Sisters of St. Joseph and many others who love him and promote him. What popes have said, mystics, saints, you know, great stuff. And so by the end of it, you, you really do. You're like, wow. I really love St. Joseph. I mean, I really want him in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my parish, in my diocese. I mean, bishops are biting onto this like crazy. I'm like, I just talked to 10 bishops yesterday. Um, so yeah, please, for the for the viewers, the listeners, get a copy. Um, it's the paperback, but you can also get the ebook, audio book. It's in Spanish as well. Well, you know what um, we're gonna do, Father, is we're gonna give away five copies. So I'm gonna put a link awesome. and then we'll, you know, we'll buy five copies and we'll give them away to our listeners, you know, raffle them off. Uh, and then also put a link uh, to the people who are not lucky enough to win it so they could buy it themselves. Awesome. Oh, thanks, man. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. So there is a website specifically for the book and everything associated with it. And by the way, if you want awesome artwork on St. Joseph as the Terror of Demons, check out the website I'm about to tell you, right? Because it's it'll blow your mind. I commissioned 10 pieces of art to show him as mighty. I mean, it's awesome. So the website is consecration to saintjoseph.org. You don't spell out saint, it's just S-T. So consecration to saintjoseph.org. Check it out. It's awesome. Yeah, awesome. I have I remember when, on my house, but our power is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Ryan was finishing the consecration, he'd call me up and be like, Ryan, he's like, man, I just cleaned out my entire garage and reorganized everything. It's like, I, me and my kids are fixing so much stuff. He's like, I got to go. I'm going to Home Depot. We're getting stuff done. <laughs> I, and he was calling me like this every day. I'm like, and he, I mean, he was on fire. I mean, well, it, it was, that was also during the uh, front stages of the the quarantining too. And I yeah. needed something to get my kids busy. I'll tell you, it worked perfectly. It was perfect crossroads. So, you know, um, again, we'll put the links to your book, to uh, the Consecration of St. Joseph. We'll put the links to all the things that we've mentioned below. Uh, we'll make sure that there's links for Hollow and for that conference um, and for the raffle that we're giving away those books. Uh, so before we go, uh, can you recommend a few prayers that people might want to pick up uh, during this year of St. Joseph, some things that they can do practically, maybe short of the full consecration if they're not ready for that, but some spiritual practices to connect to St. Joseph. 
Absolutely. As a matter of fact, you know, I do encourage everybody to read the Pope's letter on St. Joseph. It's short, right? Sometimes this Pope writes long things and you're like, oh, it's going to take me half a year to read this thing. Not this one. It's like 13 pages. It's really short, but it's really good. He's got a beautiful prayer that I believe he composed at the end of it. It's almost short enough you can memorize it. Check that prayer out. You know, I, it's a really good prayer. The Pope really did a beautiful prayer. I also want to encourage people, you know, many of us already pray the rosary, right? It's, you know, we, it's part of our spiritual life. Well, when you pray the joyful mysteries, bring in St. Joseph, because he's, a lot of people have said, oh, it's a bummer. We don't think about St. Joseph in the ro rosary. Those are Joseph mysteries. He's in every one of those five mysteries, even, you know, the Annunciation to Mary, because they were already married when that mystery took place. You know, a lot of people say Mary was an unwed mother when the angel came. No, she wasn't. She was already married to Joseph. They were betrothed, which was the first stage of their marriage, but it was already there. It was done. They just had, weren't living together yet. So if you meditate on your, those mysteries, bring Joseph in. Think about him in the visitation, at the birth, at the presentation, at the finding. You know, I think that's a phenomenal way to, to bring him in this year of St. Joseph, but even after the year of St. Joseph, you're still going to pray the rosary, right? So those kind of things I think we can we can be creative with and, and bring them in to our prayer life. Father Calloway, on behalf of our community with the Catholic Talk Show, our patrons, uh, thank you so much for your living witness of your communion with St. Joseph and sharing the power of his intercession as terror of demons, as patron of the universal church, as an example of fatherhood and masculinity. And the mystery of Joseph continues to unfold before us in our in this year of St. Joseph. We're thankful for that letter. And you know, when you when you jumped on our feed and you're like, Father Rich, you need to you need to write that letter to the Pope. I mean, like, it's totally not my style. And and I mean, like, after getting a message from you, brother, I'm like, well, maybe you know, the bishop said it, Father Calloway said, maybe I, I need to draft this <laughs> this letter. Um, but you know, truly, brother, I mean, this has just been such a blessing to connect with you this evening and and we hope that our listeners and our viewers have appreciated. A big shout out to our patrons. We would not be able to do this without your financial support. So thank you for your financial support. And please support the mission of our brother, Father Calloway. I mean, what great work he's doing in the name of the church, in the name of the great patron of the Universal Church. One of the devotions that I've really loved over the years is the prayer of Leo the Thirteenth, And it's the official prayer of, of the year of St. Joseph. And I think it would be just wonderful if we could all just take a moment and, and just bow our heads and really pray this prayer um, and just dedicate dedicate our, our families uh, to St. Joseph. And if you're out there, you're listening in, you're viewing and, and you've got a heavy heart, you know, you know, just entrust yourself to St. Joseph now and, and, and pray this prayer with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. To you, O blessed Joseph, do we come in our afflictions. And having implored the help of your most holy spouse, we confidently invoke your patronage also. Through that charity which bound you to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God, and through the paternal love with which you embrace the child Jesus, we humbly beg you graciously to regard the inheritance which Jesus Christ has purchased by his blood, and with your power and strength to aid us in our necessities. O most watchful guardian of the Holy Family, Defend the chosen children of Jesus Christ. O most loving Father, ward off from us every contagion of error and corrupting influence. O most mighty protector, be kind to us, and from heaven assist us in our struggle with the power of darkness. As once you rescued the child Jesus from deadly peril, 
So now protect God's holy church from the snares of the enemy and from all adversity. Shield too each one of us by your constant protection, so that supported by your example and your aid, we may be able to live piously, to die in holiness, and to obtain eternal happiness in heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we'll see you next week. God bless.